Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. Proverbs 14.34, the Word of God says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hi, Alex McFarland here, and we welcome you to this edition of Truth and Liberty. Folks, we truly have a blockbuster show tonight. You don't want to miss it. In fact, I would encourage you, text a friend, tell people Truth and Liberty is on with a very special edition. We've got a great guest uh, that I've had the privilege of interacting with several times in recent months, and I'll bring up the guest in just a moment. We've got some very special events, things God is doing through Karis Bible College and AWMI, a lot going on, but first I want you to meet a very dear friend of nearly 20 years with me in studio tonight here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Truth and Liberty is a longtime colleague, friend, and brother, Kamal Salim. Brother, it's great to be with you. Honor being with you. I love him, my brother, and it's honor just to be next to you. Well, praise God. Uh, we are very blessed to have you. And this is special because Kamal will be with us tomorrow night as well. But a little bit of backstory. You and I have been friends for nearly 20 years. Yeah, round it up. Yeah, yeah, I know. Almost two decades because we worked together yes. at a ministry not far from here, Focus on the Family. That's correct. And we both worked for James Dobson, and uh, it's it, good to be with it you. It was divine appointment, and uh, it was an appointment that linked us together throughout the years, and we uh, just keep running into each other, doing things together. Exactly. You have spoken for us in conferences. I've interviewed you on the radio, and your area of expertise is uh, not only the gospel and Christianity, but because of your background before Christ, you're equipping people to share the gospel. That's exactly right. So, you know, we need to understand that God has a plan for all people. Uh, but uh, his, his perfect plan right now for the Muslims is, is happening. It's a happening in a Kairos moment. And he's having divine appointment, you know, for the Muslims. And Muslims are coming to Christ by the millions. Yes. And so, and so, and I wrote a book on this called Ishmael Redeemed Call to the Kingdom that uh, translate everything, you know, uh, what God is doing. But nevertheless, uh, you know, God is not done and uh, many other things about to happen. We are in unique, unique time in our history. Amen. Amen. Well, we will allude to this. We're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about a very famous commercial that was aired during the Super Bowl, the He Gets Us commercial. But first, let me make some announcements about things God is doing in and through this great ministry. And then Kamal and I will have a conversation with a very special guest tonight. And by the way, the number, I'll go ahead and give this number. You might want to jot it down because in a few moments, we will take calls and questions. The number is seven. 919-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a question or comment on tonight's edition of Truth and Liberty. I want to give the ministry number too, because maybe as we talk about the gospel and what God is doing in the world, maybe you, you feel like you need prayer. 
And if you need to talk to somebody and we want to pray with you and from God's word, we'll give you what scripture says about your situation. That number, if you want to talk with a, uh, a prayer partner and, and just share your heart, that number is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. We'd love to be able to talk with you and minister the word of God to you. But now going on, uh, coming up, uh, in fact, just um, this week is the Riverside Gospel Truth Conference. This is going to be in Riverside, California, February 15 through 17. Andrew Womack, there in person, Dwayne Sheriff. In fact, the last time I was at this desk, I was with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. Both men, amazing communicators of God's Word. If you go to awmi.net slash events, you can learn about the Riverside Gospel Truth Conference there in Riverside, California. Maybe you want to go to that. Then Grace and Faith Mexico. This is amazing. I love going to Mexico. Wish I could be there February 22 and 23. Um, so this will be uh, Thursday and Friday a week from now. But it, it is in uh, Santiago de Cuerato. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but think about this. Andrew Womack, Mike Pickett, Kerry Pickett, Johan Toet, and again, uh, down in Mexico, you can go to awmi.net slash events, February 22 and 23, Grace and Faith Mexico, and then Men's Advance. Now, I was there last year. Goodness, it, uh, this is like the most power-packed, intensely uplifting wonderful men's conference everywhere, March 7 through 9. It's going to be right here at Karis in Woodland Park, Colorado. Andrew will be speaking, Todd White, Jeremy Pearsons, Billy Epperhart, and again for the men's advance. And Kamal, you know, it's been said that if God would get a hold of the lives of Christian men, it would transform our nation for, for the men Amen. to get in step with Jesus. And men's advance will help inspire and encourage you need to be here for this. There's a war in heaven happening uh, for our men. Yeah. You know, the, the enemy is coming after our men and God is coming after our men. But we know that what the, the word of God in the book of Isaiah 60, he said he's coming for them and after them with his glory. Yes. So uh, I believe there's an appointment, you know, if they come to this conference, they will have an appointment with God. Yes, before I bring on our guests, I wanna say a little bit about the men's advance. Uh, I can't overstate how this will transform men, husbands, young men, pastors, and uh, maybe there's some women watching and you want to encourage your, the men in your life to come to this. Kamal, I'm teaching a class this week at Karis on apologetics, defending the Christian faith. And I just finished up a class that I was teaching on biblical worldview. And there was a unit in our biblical worldview class about Christians and social challenges. And one of the, one of the absolute tragedies of our time is internet pornography. Now they say that of unchurched men, 95% a week look at pornography online, but of professed Christian men, and this includes pastors, God help us, 67% of Christian men 
a week are looking at online porn. Now, that, that's a tragedy. So Men's Advance will help men understand what it means to live by the Word of God, walk in the Spirit of God. And again, this is March 7 through 9, Karis Bible College. You've got to visit the most exciting Christian university on the planet. Go to awmi.net slash events to learn about the Men's Advance. Uh, you're here teaching as well. Yes. You are faculty here this week. What are you teaching at Karis? Come so on. So at this time, I teach two syllabuses. The, this week, I'm teaching on the making of Islam and Islamic terrorism. Uh, next, you know, by toward the end of the year, I'll be teaching on uh, geopolitical Israel and, and modern day Israel. Wow. You know, and also I'm coming with the new syllabus, uh, which is about what God is doing in the last days and how it fits in our time and the sequence of events that take place to lead into all this. Wow, this is powerful. You know, folks, um, uh, we invite you to check out Karis and look, whether it's for just personal growth, personal enrichment, or maybe some of the third year programs like the School of Practical Government, the ministry, missions. I've got the incredible privilege to teach biblical worldview and apologetics. Uh, there are so many things that I want to encourage you to go to the website and check out Karis. It's here at Woodland Park, Colorado. And just like thousands of other students from around the world, literally, I was teaching this morning, I had students from Zambia, oh from goodness. all 50 states. I, I cannot overstate how exciting it is to see what God is doing here at Karis through the students, and whether it's just for your walk and your Christian growth or to prepare you for a brand new chapter of service for Christ in the Great Commission, check out Karis. You know, and if you're interested in missions, you know, this is one of the best school to teach you about missions and how to reach people from all backgrounds. But we teach you the art of reaching the Muslims, how to reach out to the Muslims, and by what way you can go about it and how God can help you through this process. So basically, we are not talking about God is doing it, but will help you step in with God and fulfill your purpose. Amen. Well, we're going to transition and bring on a, a colleague and friend. Several months ago, I first met Alex Newman, and he is an award-winning journalist, an author, and a speaker. He's with Liberty Sentinel Media. He's the CEO. He's been featured on Fox, Epic Times, Townhall.com, uh, all of the major media. And instantly, I just appreciated Alex Newman as a, as a voice for truth and righteousness at this time. Amen. He speaks about the deep state and uh, how we need to really be diligent. If you care about freedom, if you love God and country, you need to really be diligent about the news you take in. He speaks about what's wrong with our public schools. He's got a brand new book out. But uh, Alex, over the last six months, you and I have had several media interactions, and I want to thank you for the privilege of, of conversing and interviewing you. Thanks for making time to be with us on Truth and Liberty tonight. It's an honor to be here. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. It's, uh, it's really, really great to be here. Uh, indeed. Well, uh, tell us about your new book. Um, I've got a lot I want to ask you, but uh, your, your new book and what's going on in the hearts and minds of our youth and American citizens. 
Well, thank you, brother. And what I wanted to do with this book was demolish a few of the really significant myths that I think are, are holding us back as Christians in America in terms of coming up with real solutions to the problems we're facing. Because you know, one of the myths is that the, the public school system is broken. And I mean, from the outside, it looks broken because it's producing broken people by the millions, people who can't read, people who can't uh, do math, people who can't tell right from wrong, people who at this point don't even know what bathroom to go into anymore. So I mean, from the outside, it looks broken. But when you understand the mindset, the views of the people who created this system, suddenly you recognize that it's actually working very well. Uh, I mean, not perfectly yet because they're not getting quite 100% of our young people, but something like 80% of Christian children from Christian homes who go through 12 years of public school are leaving the church. And the founders of this institution would be just beaming with joy if they knew how successful their efforts had been. So that's what I, I start the book off by showing the history of this. You know, people don't realize today that government schools are a very, very recent innovation. Uh, there is absolutely no biblical admonition for the government to operate schools or to educate children. Uh, the government's job, according to the Bible, is to punish evil, right? Uh, they are ministers of God for the purpose of restraining sin and punishing evil. They are not ministers of God for babysitting your kids or teaching your children how to read or teaching them transgenderism or climate change or any of the other stuff. And so we, we need to start, I think, with just some really fundamental questions. Uh, why do we have this system? How did it get here? What did the people who built it believe? And what does the Bible teach about all these things? So those are the questions that I aim to answer with the book. And uh, I, I encourage parents very strongly to take this seriously. God has entrusted us with a tremendous responsibility to raise up and disciple the children that ultimately they belong to him. They don't belong to us. Amen. They certainly don't belong to Caesar. Amen. And sure. we want to do that uh, according to his instructions, according to what he has laid out for us in his word. And at this point, I don't believe uh, the public school system is compatible anymore with Christianity. Jesus says uh, yeah, twice oh, wow. in the Gospels, he's quoted saying, you're either with me or you're against me. And uh, I, I challenge anybody to make an argument that the public schools are with Christ. And if they're not, well, parents, it should be a very simple choice here. You know, Alex, you make some great points. And not only is the public school system not compatible with Christianity, the American public school system is no longer compatible with America. That's uh, right. Now, I heard a phrase, you know, we've heard for years the postmodern era. And then I heard people talk about the post-Christian era. It's been said we're living in an era of post-Christian Christianity. Now, um, I want to talk about, and, and folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Truth and Liberty with Alex McFarland, Kamal Saleem, and our guest, journalist and author, broadcaster Alex Newman. Uh, guys, I want to get to America and how I think the public school system has for decades contributed to the uh, very dangerous, tenuous state that our nation is in. But let's talk about Christianity for a moment because... Um, Recently, well, 48 hours ago was the Super Bowl. There was a question, and many, many millions of dollars were spent because the biggest ad moment of the year is during the Super Bowl. There was the, the He Gets Us ad. Um, Kamal, did you, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did watch the Super Bowl, and I was uh, trying to see what God is going to do with this nation and how we're going to move forward. So I was looking into prophecies and different things. So I had an interest in it and I'm praying into it, you know, so, yeah. uh, but I didn't see the commercials until today, which is really, it just grieved my heart. Yeah. 
yeah. because it was not clear enough. It sent ambiguous message. A very, very vague, ambiguous message. Uh, Alex, as a Christian thinker and leader, I, I'm going to say for 20 years, I've, I've really been kind of amazed at how the Super Bowl just gets everybody's attention, especially Christians. Uh, before we get to the he gets you at, what are your thoughts about the, the phenomenon that the Super Bowl has become? Uh, for me, especially, it's it's fascinating, Alex and uh, Kareem. I, I actually grew up outside of the United States, and so we had you know the World Cup, the soccer championships were a big deal. But I, I feel like the Super Bowl is an even bigger deal in the United States. The the amount of attention that paid, uh, even the churches around here, Sunday morning, they're preaching about <laughs> the Super Bowl, and you know there's some Christians playing football. It's true, uh, it, it's amazing to me. And. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with sports or playing sports or even watching sports. But what I have noticed about the Super Bowl just in recent years since I've been back in the country is there seems to be a lot of very subversive elements to it. You see some of these halftime shows where there's actual demonic and witchcraft occurring mm -hmm. on stage. Uh, it's, it's very troubling to me as a Christian, and I hope Christians will use this as an opportunity to minister and, and share truth with a, a world that is totally lost. Oh, exactly. I mean, it is a moment where, you know, hundreds of millions of people are watching. Therefore, different ones have tried to take advantage of this moment. I know when you and I were working at Focus on the Family, Focus on the Family had an ad many years ago during the Super Bowl halftime uh, moment. Uh, I want us to roll a tape. And what we're going to see, folks, there is an ad that many millions of dollars uh, were spent on the He Gets Us. Now, I'm all for, I am all for introducing this generation to the Jesus that they may not know. But let's look at this ad, and then we're going to look at another ad that even as we speak is making a lot of waves, trying to be clearer with the gospel. But first, the ad that was aired during the Super Bowl, He Gets Us. Let's roll that tape. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I, I was standing. You were there. Two worlds Powerful imagery there. Uh, Jesus didn't teach hate. He gets us, and it says all of us. J E S U S us. Okay, Alex Newman, your impressions of this? Well, I'm glad to see something Christian appearing during the Super Bowl, but if I was going to spend that kind of money from believers, uh, I would have spent it a little bit differently. Uh, quite obviously, Jesus did not teach hate. In fact, quite the opposite. He told us to love those who hate us. He told us to love our enemies and those who persecute us. Uh, and so quite, quite evidently, Jesus did not teach hate. And, and I almost feel like there's a danger there of 
playing along with the assumption? Why, why are we addressing accusations that are so ludicrous? Uh, everybody, even the pagans, knows that Jesus did not teach hate. Uh, very few people have actually accused Jesus of teaching hate. But, uh, you know, that was, in my view, at best, a wasted opportunity. You had uh, uh, at least 100 million people watching. You had their attention. You could have given them the gospel message. You could have told them something significant about heaven, about hell, about the word of God. Uh, and, and instead, you, they kind of wasted it on, you know, the issues that the world is concerned about, the, the racialism and the, the woke stuff, the social justice. Uh, I think it was at best a missed opportunity. Kamal Salim. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm looking at this uh, commercial and I'm looking, is what are you projecting out there to the public and what, what is your message? It's so confusing because for young people, they're going to look at this, they're going like, that's what Jesus came from. It's okay for me to be that person, you know, so it's all right. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but we need to give them the whole story what's on the other side, that Jesus loves them and he can help them with this. Mm. You know, so we did not, like my brother said, Brother Alex, on to, you, know, uh, our, you know, that we're seeing right now, he, they did not express further. So it became more like woke. Yeah. Instead of uh, it came, you know, to me, it says, you know, this is our world, accept it as it is. Accept, you know, everything that's happening, whether you like it or not, because Jesus is with us, it's gonna be all right. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to open up the phones. I want to know what you think about it. Viewers, uh, did you see the He Gets Us commercial during the Super Bowl? Okay, 719-619-2341. When we open up the phones, I would love your response. Uh, Alex Newman, I, I really tend to agree with you. And with all due respect to the Green family and everybody that was behind that, I think you wasted a whole lot of money and you wasted a whole lot of opportunity. Um, I'm old enough. Uh, I recognize some of the pop culture nods that were in that. Like, for instance, the, the man uh, on the porch, there's a, a Caucasian man and a black man. Both have their feet in the, the galvanized tub of water. Believe it or not, that's a reference to something that Fred Rogers did many years ago on Mr. Rogers. He uh, washed the feet and he and a a black man shared uh, some water on a hot summer day, and that was great. Fred Rogers was a Christian, so there's a little bit of late 20th century pop culture references in there. Um, I especially want to talk about, if we could, at the end, there's the priest in the priestly vest vestments washing the feet of uh, either a gay or trans male very effeminate, the limp-wristed, you know, and it says Jesus gets us. He doesn't hate. We're not supposed to hate. What, what are your impressions of that, Alex? Um, I've got my thoughts. What, what might yours be regarding that image? You know, I... I I get the sense that it's a little bit misleading. Of course, Jesus wants us to come to him as we are, and the scriptures make that clear. We come to him as sinful, wretched creatures with all kinds of baggage, but, but it doesn't stop there. When we give our lives to Christ, he transforms us. He gives us a new heart. He takes out our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. He gives us new desires. So yes, we come to him as broken people. I, I did, right? I, I, I was a bigger mess than any transgender or homosexual in the universe. Uh, I was a total mess. And yet 
that wasn't the end. That was just the beginning. And so if that message comes through clearly that, you know, you come to him as you are, it doesn't matter what your sin is, doesn't matter what the baggage is that you're carrying with you, but then prepare to be transformed once you surrender. Uh, that is worthwhile. But I think sending this message that, you know, oh, well, Jesus is fine with your sin, right? Jesus is fine with your adultery, your pornography, your, your sodomy, whatever issue it is. You know, and, and I know sodomy has become a special sin that no one's supposed to criticize, but it's like, like the other sins. Mm. Um, you know, we need to tell people clearly that God transforms us and gives us new desires so that we leave that in our past, that that's who we were, that's not who we are in Christ. And even though we may still sin, Right? We're not going to be perfect. We're in the process of being sanctified here. Uh, that's not our identity. That's not who we are. We've been remade. Our identity is now in Christ. It's not in the alphabet or the LGBT or any of that. And, and to me, that, you know, it just didn't come through clearly in the ad. Uh, maybe the people who made the ad had some, something in mind that I didn't pick up on. But I, I agree with you. you know, the, the, the money really, I think, could have been better spent with all due respect to the folks who, who put that together. Maybe next year, um, give Alex McFarland a call. He can give you some advice. <laughs> well, now let's roll. There's another. It's kind of a response to this. And I want us to comment on this, and we'll give some of the backstory. But let's roll the, the response commercial, if we could. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I, I was standing. You were there. Wow. That was powerful. That was giving me goosebumps. Yeah. The, the message is so clear. Exactly. The other message, you know, we were supposed to be salt and light in this world yeah. and to, to bring solutions, uh, you know, into, into humanity. And here, the first commercial, it was so confusing. Even I am going like, what they're trying to say? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, the love message came through, but where's the rest of the love story? Sure. You know, but this one here is pure love. Amen. Amen. Uh, produced by uh, someone named Jamie uh, Bambrick, I believe it is. Uh, kudos. Uh, so, some of the people in there we actually know. Mohammed Faridi. Uh, uh, there's um, uh, Kelly Perry Smaltz that is a former transgender and just recently got married. She, born a female, transitioning to a male, lived as a male for a decade. I've interviewed her. So, uh, Alex, uh, I think that's the, the message the world needs to hear is, of course, Jesus accepts us as we are. But as, as Billy Graham said, uh, Jesus accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. I, frankly, I'm glad that response video has been created, aren't you? 
I, I'm incredibly glad, and I'm incredibly glad that it's going viral. Uh, I would encourage everybody watching this program now, send it to the folks that you watched the Super Bowl with. You know, here, mm -hmm. here's a, a good idea. That was really powerful. I, I got goosebumps, too. And, you know, all, all Christians really, you know, they, they see that, and they see themselves reflected in that, because such were some of you. That was us before we came to know the Lord. And how could we not want to share that joy with those who are perishing? If we truly love our Lord, if we truly love those who are perishing, we should want to share these truths with them. And I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at the Super Bowl. I, I would imagine they wouldn't be very open to airing an ad that might get really serious about the issues. It might be tough to get past their censors. But that is the message that the world needs to hear. That is the message that Christ has given us to go out into this world as his ambassadors. And, and we, we don't deliver that full message. We're not really doing what we've been called to do. Making disciples of the nations is not just, hey, Jesus loves you, say a prayer, see you later. Uh, it's, it's actually the whole process, the, the discipleship yeah. element. And that very much includes the transformation. You cannot truly share the love of Christ without sharing what it does for you. Hold, hold that thought. We've got a break coming up, folks. This is Truth and Liberty with Alex Newman, Kamal Salim, your calls and more after this. Stay tuned. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. So honored that you're watching tonight. Alex McFarland here and our very special guest in studio here on site, Kamal Saleem of Coom Ministries. Also, Alex Newman of, uh, well, he is the CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media and just a trusted voice that I've come to appreciate so much. And uh, hey, uh, Alex, your broadcast, where can people hear you, see you, and avail themselves to the digital content you create? Uh, well, thank you, brother. M most everything is posted at my website, libertysentinel.org. I do a uh, uh, nationally syndicated radio show once a week that goes out through a lot of AM, FM stations. And then I do uh, a daily uh, TV broadcast that goes out through six or seven networks and then all the podcast services. But the easiest place to find everything is just libertysentinel.org. Mm -hmm. And Kamal Salim, how about yourself? Where may we find you online? It's uh, coomministries.com. That is K-O-O-M-E, 
next word, no spaces, ministries, plural, dot com. Okay. And in addition to being here teaching this week, you are faculty at Karis, but you're on the road speaking. Uh, every time I either speak with you or we pass in an airport, you're on the road ministering. Uh, yes. Uh, you are available to come to cities and conferences? Yes, I teach at colleges. I teach uh, also at uh, uh, conferences. I teach, you know, at churches. We educate the missionaries mm -hmm. on, on a way to reach the Muslims. And we educate also on a way of, that God is how he's moving in the last days toward all humanity, but specifically how he's going to bring Ishmael back to the table with his brother Isaac and how it has happened and started and where we are in time on all this. Wow. Now, tomorrow night, and again, Kamal will be with us again tomorrow night. And I want to tomorrow night really get down into your background and how God got a hold of your life. But now we are going to take calls. The number, if you want to call in with a question, it's 719-619-2341. Uh, Alex, uh, while I've got you, I always want to pick your brain about things going on. Uh, and, you know, uh, there was in the news today about the $95 billion aid package to Taiwan, Ukraine, and Israel. And, uh, a couple of things, and I honestly, I, I want your opinion on it if you could, because I'm not sure where I stand on this yet. But uh, 22 Republicans supported it. There was no funding to secure the southern border. And I don't know, some of the commentary on that was that with a $34 trillion debt uh, and interest, and it's growing even as we speak, $95 billion more dollars of aid, uh, is that the right thing? And so, um, you know, let, let's talk, whether it be this or some other topic, uh, what are your thoughts on the state of our government? Uh, and one last thing before I throw it to you, uh, all last week, the news of uh, last week was consumed with Biden and the questions of his mental fitness to be the leader of the free world. What is Liberty Sentinel covering news-wise? These are other topics, Alex. Well, it's interesting you mentioned it, brother. Actually, right before coming on with you, I was wrapping up my show, and that was one of the issues I addressed. You know, I, I've got a few real simple litmus tests here. Uh, without even commenting on the wisdom of supporting Ukraine versus Russia or, you know, Taiwan versus China. Of course, I have sympathy for the free people of China rather than those under the boot of communist China. Uh, of course, I have sympathy for uh, the Israelis and the Jews. And of course, I have sympathy for Ukrainians who have had their country invaded and a lot of their cities destroyed. But if I were in Congress, everybody who's up there puts their hand, usually on a Bible, sometimes nowadays on a Quran, but usually on a Bible, and they take an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. Uh, the Constitution is not a complicated document. For those who haven't read it yet, I encourage you to read it. Article 1, Section 8 lists the powers of Congress. It does have the power to declare war. That's not what they did here, to be clear. And foreign aid, interestingly, is not listed as one of the powers that Congress has. So <laughs> if Americans as individuals or Americans as churches feel like contributing to some cause overseas, Praise the Lord, it's a free country. We have a lot of resources. We've been blessed with prosperity because of the freedom we've enjoyed. We should all have the freedom to do that. If you want to go fight in a foreign battle, in fact, a relative of mine recently died fighting against Russia in Ukraine. Uh, those mm. are all things that, that are quite all right for a free people. But what Congress has done here, uh, in my view, they have violated their oath of office to the Constitution. They have borrowed money 
Now, from children who aren't even born yet, who have no say in this matter, it, to say it's irresponsible would be a gross understatement. There's never been an entity in all of human history that has as much debt as the U.S. government has. No way this is ever going to be paid off. And, of course, the borrower is slave to the lender. There's so many things wrong with this, Alex. It, it breaks my heart to see what's happening in our country, and I don't suspect that it will continue too much longer. I get the sense that our country is under judgment, and, you know, part of the symptoms of that is a government that is completely out of control, that is yeah. waging war on all that is good and promoting what is evil. Yeah, and you know, even as we speak, the stock market has had one of the biggest precipitous falls in years. Uh, I read so many economists that are saying this is just not sustainable. The, the, the debt that we're in, and we're nearing that point, folks. This is why you need to pray. And let me say with the, an election coming, and I assure you, folks, Truth and Liberty is going to do a lot of coverage as we get near the election. And maybe you're not a politico, but Christians, you need to pray for our nation. Citizens, you need to be registered, informed, and you need to vote. And pastors, and I can say this having pastored two churches, pastors, you need to get in your pulpit and influence your parishioners on saving the nation that currently I think is on its near deathbed. Uh, we've got calls. We're going to get there in a moment. But Kamal, how about yourself? You as a citizen, um, how do you feel about the way our nation is being led here at the moment? It, it's really scary, you know, because we, you have the elderly people, the social security, you have the medical system, the uh, drug, uh, or, you know, uh, corporation, how they are, you know, just destroying this nation. And here we are empowering nations out there that we have no idea what's going to happen. You know, this is not the way to go about it. If we need to understand how the war is fought, we are going the complete opposite way. We have something more important than this. We have terrorists here in the United States of America. We have people crossing here that they are, they will us harm, you know, and, and we are focusing on to encourage other nations and we are not encouraging our nation. If you are not, uh, if you are complacent, then you are complicit. Amen. If you are complacent, you are complicit. That, that's a good word. Hold that thought, folks. The number is 719-619-2341. We're going to go to Michigan. Bill, uh, Bill in Michigan, welcome to Truth and Liberty. You, you know, Bill, uh, I've, I've heard that uh, one of the possible replacements on the Democrat ticket for 2024 is your governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, what, what do you think about that potentially, Bill? That would not be a good choice. They may like her, but Michigan, well, at least the conservatives, we do not appreciate her at all. She, wow. There was she. There were more people killed in nursing homes than um, terrorist activity in our country. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Dur during uh, the quarantines, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, she was quite assertive. But that, that may not be what you called about tonight. Bill, what is your question or comment for Alex Newman, Kamal Salim, or myself? I just wanted to read something that uh, Mohammed Faradi had said. He made the, the comment concerning, and because you've been talking about the commercial that was aired on uh, Super Bowl. Sure. He men, made this comment some months ago, but it's very specific to the, what you're talking about. And he said... Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear inclusive, tolerant, and accepting. He ate with them to call them to a changed and fruitful life. 
to die to self, live for him. His call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. And I wanted you guys to hear that. Wow. Kamal, what do you say? As a, like Muhammad Faridi. I know Muhammad Faridi very, very yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and and Muhammad Faridi is truly a lover of Jesus Christ, you know, and he he really, you know, he exudes, you know, that, that that light of, you know, of truth. But uh, I haven't heard him saying this. This is uh, this is new news to me, and I will take it in with him. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah, uh, Alex. Jesus didn't, like Muhammad said, I agree, he didn't eat with sinners just to be inclusive and be nice, but to, you know, he said in John 17, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. Christ came to pay for sin and rescue humanity. Um, what, what is your take on this assumption that being a Christian is just a nice, likable next door neighbor? Uh, being a Christian is much more than that, isn't it? Sorry, somehow I got muted. Uh, it absolutely is much more than that. And, and Jesus taught that clearly. I mean, think of the, the woman at the well. He said, go and sin no more. Uh, we are to uh, show people their sin, the law, to use the law to show people their sin, and then call them to repentance, show them that Christ can forgive them and transform them. But uh, the idea that we're just uh, hyper-inclusive and any sin goes, um, I, I think it actually flies in the face of what the Bible teaches. Now, uh, we want to be loving even to the people who are caught up in, in bad situations and people who are caught up in uh, destructive sin. We were all there ourselves. But I, I think to, to water down that message for the sake of being liked by the world is very, very dangerous. You know, Jesus promised us that they hated him and so they're going to hate us as well. And a lot of Christians aren't comfortable with that. They want to be liked by the world. They desperately want to be liked by the world. And I get it. We're human beings. We want other people to like us. We don't want other people to hate us. It's uncomfortable. And uh, but, but the reality is, if we, need, if we want to be faithful to our Lord and to our King, uh, we need to accept that He has called us to preach and teach certain things, and that among those are that we've got to get sin out of our lives. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. You, Margaret Thatcher said, "If if if your ministry, if your your the entire thing about your life is to be liked, do not run for office. Do not be in high places because you will make compromises if you if you just want to be liked. Mm -hmm. But if you want, you know, if you want Jesus to be liked, it's a different story. We have to tell the truth and make it plain. You know, in, in, in my world, you know, when I was a Muslim, if somebody compromised the message of truth to me in a way to tell me, you know, it's okay to be this, mm. you know, and, and, and God will forgive you. And, uh, but, but if they didn't tell me the whole story and, and, you know, we really need to be clear. We could not afford to, to anymore just throw words to, to, to allow people to like us, just like what Brother Alex was saying. So we need to be really true light, salt and light to humanity. And uh, I know Muhammad Taridi, he's a good man. Yeah. He's a very good man. Yeah. So folks, what did you think of the Super Bowl commercial that he gets us? Very non-committal, very vague. Was it? Yeah, on any level, a positive introduction to the gospel? I really don't think so. You can call in and weigh in on this at 
3-4-1. Hey, Alex, I've got to ask you this because I know you're a thinker and, and a, uh, an academic. D uh, did you ever know of the, the name? He was a philosophy professor at Duke University, Stanley Hauerwas. Does that name ring a bell? No, actually. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if he's still living, but he was a guy that could really come up with a quote. Now, check this out, folks. This is like back in the 90s when diversity, inclusion, pluralism, political correctness, wokeness was really beginning to kick in. And there was this assumption that, you know, we all have our own truth. Don't ruffle feathers. Don't say this is right and that is wrong. And Brilliant academic at Duke University, Stanley Hauerwas, said diversity is a virtue in the minds of the terminally mediocre. <laughs> I, I mean, that's pretty powerful uh, because, look, there, there comes a time when uh, academics, leaders, and certainly ministers, educators, Christians, that we have to muster the courage to say, look, I love you, I care about you, but this is truth, that is error. This is right, this is wrong. This is scripture. Other things that aren't God's word aren't scripture. Um, Alex, how did we get to the place that we don't have the conviction and presence of mind to be able to stand up for truth? Well, I, I think there's several key factors at play, Alex, and, and I want to add one more point to all of that. There's a risk when we present Jesus as somebody that we think other people are going to like, there, there's a risk that we're actually creating an idol. You know, we, we need to present Jesus as he presents himself in the scriptures. And I, I always tell people, go to the end of Revelation. You know, Jesus is not just a baby who came in the manger and ate with tax collectors and sinners. He's coming back. and it's going to be a lot different when he gets back than the first time he came. And that is part of his character. That is part of who he is. You need to understand the context of the Old Testament, right? Jesus Christ is God. The, the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And when you create a, a fake Jesus because you think people will like him and will surrender to this fake Jesus, it's an incredibly dangerous thing because if you surrender your life to a Jesus that doesn't really exist, it's very problematic. And so to your question, Alex, how did we get here? I, I always go back to the government school system. I, I think a big part of the reason why the church is being decimated in the United States, and you know, to be clear, there's no risk that the church will be decimated around the world. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church of Jesus Matthew Christ, and we 16, can 18. praise him for that. Amen. Uh, but here in the United States, we have no guarantee that the church will continue to survive and thrive. And I think a big part of the problem is we have now handed our children over to a godless government for five generations, depending on how you count, maybe four, and uh, these are the people who went into the ministry. These are the people who became the pastors. These are the people who became the elders of the churches and the ministry leaders. And they have been trained to think, not from a biblical perspective, not from a biblical worldview, but rather from an anti-biblical worldview. Yeah. And so when you start off with false presuppositions, it becomes very easy to fall in these traps that, that we're talking about right now. Mm. The number is 719-619-2341. Bill from Michigan, thank you for calling in. And uh, by the way, folks, let me just say this. Uh, we're, we're, I believe our nation, and to a large degree, it's decades 
of militantly secular public education that's done this. I think we're in a crisis of truth. We're in a crisis of morals. We're in a crisis of law and even following the U.S. Constitution. And we're in a crisis of identity. Now, even as we're doing the show, there's a breaking news story rolling out right now. Hunter Biden, son of President uh, Joe Biden, uh, the, the DOJ has uncovered uh, on his phone, quote, multiple images of cocaine, crack, drug paraphernalia on his phone, and they're saying he's perjured himself because under oath he told the federal government that he hasn't used any drugs. And the, the time periods going back to uh, 2018, he um, was using and even maybe had these drugs in the White House. This is sad. In, in reporting news, I don't take any joy I take no joy in the fact that the son of our president um, is, you know, uh, a, a drug user. And the images on his phone and testimonies and other uh, evidence point to that. But my, my point in simply saying this, there was a day when our nation, we were proud to affirm Judeo-Christian values. We elected leaders that were persons of character and conviction and courage. We viewed education as a holy enterprise because the life of the mind, as William J. Bennett said, I've interviewed Bill Bennett, he said education was to expand your mind and save your soul. Alex, isn't it that we, we abandoned belief in the sanctity of life. We abandoned belief in objective morality. We abandoned the conviction that human beings are made in the image of God. Uh, we've gotten to where we've gotten, and we're in a state of lawlessness because basically the foundations of life and truth and eternity, we, we jettisoned those decades ago. Is that right? That's exactly right, Alex. And uh, back in 1962 and 1963, a lot of people will be familiar with this. That's when the Supreme Court officially expelled the Bible and prayer from public schools. Now, I would argue that the public schools had ceased to be Christian in any legitimate, significant way many, many decades before that. But when the Supreme Court did this, uh, first of all, it was a flagrant violation of the Constitution under the guise of enforcing the First Amendment, which was written when many states had established churches. Mm. Uh, they, they said you can't have Bible and you can't have prayer. But in the dissent, I encourage people to read the dissent. It was written by Justice Potter Stewart, and he explained so perfectly what was happening with these cases. He said, what we have done here is not the realization of neutrality with respect to religion, what we have done here is we have established the religion of secularism. <clears throat> now, again, to go, to go back to what Jesus explained to us in the gospel, you're either with me or against me. So secularism is, of course, against him. Uh, I, I think John Dewey, the architect of this system that we today call the public school system, would have recognized it as the religion that he thought he was co-founding, uh, humanism. The idea that there is no God, we are our own little gods, we can determine for ourselves what's right and wrong, uh, that was his religion. And that is what he wanted taught to all children. If you pause and think about it for a minute, it is the same lie from the pit of hell that the serpent uttered in Genesis chapter 3. Ye shall be as gods, right? I mean, th this is, it's very clear that the fruit of this kind of indoctrination with this wicked religion from the pit of hell will produce the kind of things that you just described. And there's no way back from this without addressing the root causes, which is that our children are being taught a false religion, a false worldview from the time that they can do things on their own and go to school. 
Kamal Salim in a time of spiritual warfare. Well, first of all, let me ask you, are we as a nation in a period of spiritual warfare? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we need to go back, to, you know, to fasting, praying, seeking God's face. You know, as God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. This is a God can rescue America if America want to be rescued. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, but uh, as I'm listening to Alex and I'm listening to you, uh, when we came to infiltrate and invade this nation, and it was a stealth jihad, we watched the puppet of the United States of America. And when we watched the, uh, the watchmen's are start, start going far away from what they were supposed to do, that's when we start, uh, you know, taking over every place they evacuated. So when, when, they, uh, when we saw this, we start bringing Chrislamism to the church to mm. tell we worship the same God and now many pastors bringing the Muslims into the church. So this is, uh, this is happened by the agreement and invitation of the church so many times because the church is looking at, you know, how they're gonna survive and how they're gonna keep everybody happy and how they're gonna tell a good sermon. So therefore they lost, you know, so many things. So we need to look at ourselves internally, you know, and say, how can we save America now that we have failed? What can we do next? You know, tomorrow is a new day. So let's step into this and really fight for what we have allowed. You know, you mentioned the watchman and folks, uh, the book of Ezekiel, uh, if my memory serves me five times, God warns the watchman on the wall. If you see danger so approaching and you don't warn, you see the sinner and he die in his sin and you didn't warn him. Ezekiel says his blood, I will require at your hand. Now, Christian, uh, like it or not, you're a watchman on the wall. That's right. We are duty bound and certainly ministers and pastors are held to a higher standard of, of accountability. We can't just go with the flow as uh, out of the comfort zone as it might seem to be. We are to speak truth. And uh, frankly, let me say this, folks, as a guy, I give God the glory, but I've stood at more than 150 universities and I've had people scream at me and wave the middle finger at me. <laughs> it's actually invigorating. Uh, a piece of God just comes over me. Uh, I was at the University of, of Canada, Toronto, debating an atheist. And during the Q&A, uh, you know, the question came up about transgenderism. And I literally, I had an, an auditorium of several thousand people screaming at me and the peace of God flooded my soul. And I, I tried to, in the most uh, effective way, but uh, empathetic way, I said, look, I am duty bound to tell you the truth. And Jesus said the truth, John 8, 32, the truth if you follow it, the truth will set you free. And so Christians, pastors, leaders, citizens, it's time to get some courage and to give that certain sound, not the uncertain, ambiguous, vague, nebulous, but you know, let's proclaim truth. Speaking of universities, I speak at several universities all over the United States of America and Canada. And one day I was at this university and they were really cussing me out, throwing boots and shoes at me and oh, yeah. so have you. And uh, I went, you know, and I'm, I never seen, you know, such fear like this in my life that I was worried about what's going to happen because I don't have bodyguard with me that day. So my knees start knocking. And so I went into this little room where they do dishes and I start crying out to God. And I heard the Lord 
purely, clearly. He said, my son, if you're, if you're afraid of them, I will put my fear in your heart. But if you're afraid of me, I will put my fear in their heart. I opened the Bible in my hand and I opened to the scripture in the book of Isaiah right to what he just said. Hmm. And I came to the power for the first time is stand there in courage and declare the glory of the living God in the land of the living to say to them, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. My God is an awesome God. And I loved you with the love of my life. I'm willing to die for Allah, but Allah was not there when I was about dying, you know. Now this God came and saved me and let me tell you about my God and I told my testimony. I changed from politically to testimony. I got a standing ovation. Mm. And, and those people that were coming against me, when we take stand for the Lord, God takes stand for us. Yeah. Amen. And He will change the circumstances. Amen. Uh, I see we've got a caller on hold, but we have a, a break coming up. So Bryce from Colorado, please continue to hold. We will get to your question. I want to do it justice. But uh, Alex, let me let me ask you, I've so admired your clear voice, your meticulous, logical thought. How did you get to be the man of such conviction and truth and courage that I know you to be? But the simple answer is only by the grace of God. <laughs> but by the time I had gotten expelled from school in 10th grade, I was using all kinds of drugs. I had just totally lost, uh, waging war on the truths and the morality of God. And uh, in college, God showed me, uh, I think miraculously, that the Bible was true. And that began this incredible process of coming to know the Lord, of coming to read His Word, understanding what His will was, what His desire was, not just for my life, but for the world, for humanity, uh, for family, for government, for education, for, for every area of our lives. And, uh, and that process has been ongoing, you know, and, and every time I think, oh, excellent, I, I got another sin out of my life, then God just shows me another one. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a long <laughs> process that will not be finished uh, in this lifetime. But uh, just beyond grateful for, uh, for all that God has done to rescue me from uh, the, the terrible, terrible path, the, the broad road, if you, that leads to destruction and, mm. um, and just completely transformed me. Folks, if you're just tuning in, Alex McFarland here along with Kamal Salim and by Zoom, Alex Newman. Now, we're going to come back and continue with questions, but I want to remind you about the men's advance coming up. Elizabeth Murin and her incredible drama department, they've got a production called To Die is Gain. It's about the last days of the Apostle Paul's life and reflecting to Luke about his days as a Pharisee, how he persecuted Stephen. Now, folks, seriously. I've been to the Christmas plays, the July 4th plays. Broadway wishes they could do plays and productions like Elizabeth Murin and the drama department at Karis, so you don't want to miss that. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We've got a brief break. More of Truth and Liberty after this break. Don't go away. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with Army, fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. 
As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. What a robust conversation, and we would love for you to participate in it. Again, if you need prayer, look, no strings attached. We just want to encourage you. But if you need prayer, if you need to come to the Lord, maybe you need to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We often say this, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And the number for prayer and counsel is 719-635-1111. Let me just say this incidentally, the website truthandliberty.net. It's a great website. I encourage you to share it with people. Just last week, I submitted three articles to Richard Harris that uh, they're probably being posted even as we speak. There's so much content there. And you know, you can get the the press releases, the articles, the content, there's uh, the uh, voting recommendations. You can go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. And we would encourage you to do that. And finally, I would say this, look, you know, the message of the gospel is free. The good news of Jesus is without price, but delivering the message takes resources. Maybe you would become a partner like so many around the nation are. And Folks, I got to tell you this. I was down in Orlando. And by the way, to donate, you go to truthandliberty.net slash donate. And I was in Orlando speaking at a pastor's conference and a, a major Christian conference over the weekend. Here's a dear lady. She comes up to me. She drove like an hour. She said, I'm a Truth and Liberty partner. I love the show. I tell all my friends. And uh, her name was Mrs. Lewis. Uh, if you're watching, we thank you for coming out to thank meet you. me on the road and thank you for supporting. So folks, maybe you would consider becoming a Truth and Liberty partner and we give God the praise if you do. Right now we're going to go to Colorado where we are. We're going to speak with Bryce. Bryce, thanks for holding. Uh, you are the next caller on Truth and Liberty and we welcome you. Thank you for taking my call. This question is for Alex McFarland. Um, okay. In my understanding of the Bible, when Jesus washed feet, it was to prepare his disciples for service to each other. But when I watch the He Gets Us ad and other portrayals in media and even on platforms, the ministry of foot washing is treated as an act of mercy toward unbelievers or some sort of act of penance to bridge a racial or class divide. What is the actual application of foot washing, and why is it seeming to be portrayed in the media as the spiritual equivalent of kneeling for the national anthem? Great, great question. Thanks very much. You know, I, I think about in Mark 10:44, Jesus said to the disciples, he who would be greatest among you would be servant of all. 
Yes. And Jesus said, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So, Bryce, thanks for asking, because besides being a very ambiguous, I would say unfruitful commercial that only the Lord knows how many millions of dollars it cost, um, it was not an accurate use of what the Gospels tell us about how Christ washed the disciples' feet. Now, if anybody deserved to be honored and venerated as the king that he is, obviously it's Jesus Christ. But when Jesus, in, in the greatest conceivable act of, humanity, of humility, he washed the disciples' feet. In the Middle East, it's very dirty. People, they wear sandals, go barefoot. So you come into somebody's house and the lowly servant would wash people's feet. It was a dirty, smelly job. And yet here is God incarnate in the Gospels. He would wash the disciples' feet. Peter said, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And, and the Lord said, well, then you don't have any part of me. And so Peter, I love the apostle Peter. Peter said, oh, Lord, then not only my feet, wash all of me. <laughs> you know, whatever it means to be in Christ, I want the whole thing, Amen. Peter was saying. So Bryce, to your point, it, it was very selective uh, less than accurate, I would say, inaccurate application. And, and Alex, again, it seems to portray this message. What is a Christian? Well, we know a Christian is one that has repented. We've turned from sin to Christ. Uh, Christ, God incarnate, died on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the dead. We are born again through a relationship to the one and only Son of God. And then from this point forward, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. Right. I mean, to be a Christian means the old me is dead. And now I am an obedient follower of my master, King Jesus. But this ad, Alex, it just portrays that we're just, we're, we're kindly, nice people. We don't ruffle feathers, gay, straight, trans, doesn't matter. You're good as you are. And uh, please, please like us because we like you. I mean, it's a non-message, in my opinion, that commercial was. It was a non-message, and unfortunately, if the goal was to portray Jesus and Christians and Christianity as loving, uh, it really fell radically short of that goal. When you understand that coming to know the Lord means being adopted into God's family as an adopted child of the Creator of the heavens and the earth, I mean, what could possibly be a greater love than that? What could possibly be a greater love than sacrificing one's only begotten Son for your enemies, for people who hate you. Um, it, it, it's true, the, the love of Christianity is unfathomably deep. Uh, and this really cheapens it by just, oh, well, this guy's got a slightly different skin color and look how loving I am because I'm washing his feet. Uh, I think it, it, frankly, it cheapens the genuine love of Christ, the genuine love that God shows to us as his children. Uh, one of the, the most important things to me, and, you know, when I came to Christ, when I came to Christianity, and I read the scripture that, you know, that Peter fell and God came and redeemed him back again. He said, Peter, do you love me? I think this is, will be the great message today, that if you love me, then you'll tend my sheep. Amen. You will serve my sheep, that you will feed my sheep, that you'll protect my sheep. 
and my sheep that they don't know me, you know, so be a shepherd of mine, mm -hmm. you know, go and reach out these people. You know, I, I think so many times, you know, we, we think that we are doing the right thing uh, and we, we approach it so we can be liked or, or not just liked, like, look what we're doing. Come and visit us because we we like you all, y'all. You know, as yeah. they say in the deep south. You That's know, so. good. <laughs> you, 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 uh, I'm going to make you an honorary southerner. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm from Southern Beirut, so. Uh, okay, okay. Wow, wow. Hey, hold that thought, uh, folks. This is Truth and Liberty. Bryce, thank you for your call. We're going to go to Randall. Uh, Randall is a subscriber and a Kira student. We thank God for you on both of those fronts. Randall, uh, welcome to this edition of Truth and Liberty. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I appreciate being on with you gentlemen, both you Alexes, <laughs> or Alex I, however you pronounce that. Uh, we have two Alexes tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you guys, I, I just, I love America. I'm a patriot. Um, I wanted to remind you of one of the quotes by William, or I'm sorry, James Garfield, mm -hmm. um, that now more than ever the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it's because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it's because the people demand these qualities to represent them in the national legislature. If the next centennial does not find us a great nation, I think this is, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. Mm. Wow. That's very, very insightful and prescient on the part of the late, great James Garfield. Alex Newman, any comment on this quote? There's so much truth and wisdom to that. You know, America is pretty unique, historically speaking, in that we, the people, is, is right there at the beginning of our Constitution. And so ultimately, we bear some responsibility for what the government is doing. You know, if you're born into a dictatorship and, and you have absolutely no say, you have absolutely no means of making your, your opposition shown or, or much less uh, doing something constructive for putting government back in the box that God ordained for it, again, punishing evil, uh, you know, th there's maybe less accountability, less responsibility. But in the United States of America, we were so blessed to be born into this country where we, the people, are supposed to govern. I actually love South Dakota's motto, under God, the people rule. But uh, it, it's absolutely true that Congress is a reflection of the American people. We could get rid of everybody in Congress today, and everybody wants to throw the bums out. But guess what? If we had another election the next day, we'd elect people very, very similar to those that we just removed because we have become morally disconnected from the foundational truths that God has revealed to us, from the foundational principles that created this republic. And there is no simple solution or magic bullet. And we have to recognize that we bear some responsibility for that. Now, for those who are out there doing what they can, speaking up for the unborn that are being slaughtered, you know, I'm not speaking to you. But for those who, who just retreat and say, well, there's nothing I can do, I'm not even going to vote because politics is dirty, um, you know, ask yourself, do you bear some measure of responsibility for what the government is doing with your money and in your name, supposedly with the consent of the governed? I would argue that we do. I, I believe a vote is a stewardship issue. And uh, let me say this, folks, and uh, Judy from Colorado, keep holding. Tyler in Ohio, we're going to get to you straight away. Um, 
Alex and Kamal as brothers in Christ, I got to tell you, it, it really revolutionized my walk with the Lord and my wife and I, our civic involvement. When we begin to realize that as a Christian, really all of life is a stewardship issue. My time, uh, our resources, my influence, me being a citizen. And I just want to call on all the, you know, George Barna, I'll be interviewing Barna next Wednesday at NRB. Barna says there's maybe 130 million born again adults. Well, if that be the case, and I pray that it is, uh, one of our areas of stewardship is our vote. Alex, isn't, uh, you know, the consent of the governed and the ability that rich, poor, powerful, pauper, if you're a citizen, you can vote. Isn't that a sacred steward, stewardship issue? I would agree that it absolutely is. God has called on us to be good stewards of all the blessings that he's given us. That includes our children. That includes whatever material wealth that he has blessed us with. And that certainly includes the country that he has blessed us with. I mean, we as Americans were blessed beyond measure just by being born here. For us to fritter that away and, hmm. and then say to God, oh, well, sorry, you know, I, I didn't think I should be involved in politics. Uh, how, how do you explain that to your children? I, I agree 100% with you. Every area of our lives is a stewardship issue, and every area of our lives needs to be in submission to Christ. And so when we go Amen. into the voting booth, when we have the opportunity to speak freely, to influence our neighbors, to talk to people at church about critical issues. I mean, we're, we're talking about babies that are being slaughtered here. This isn't some mm. obscure disagreement about tax rates. We're talking about actual evil running rampant in this country, and we as citizens, in theory at least, have the ability to do something about it. Uh, frankly, I think it's unconscionable not to exercise whatever influence and authority God has blessed us with in this life. Amen, amen. God works through ships, you know, from stewardship, from friendship, from, you know, all these ships, you know, so we need to understand that God wants us to step into this. But as I look at America, you know, uh, now that I'm American citizen, mm -hmm. uh, what I love about America is it, it is, it gave so much for people like me to become set free from bondage, from tyranny, from terrorism, from lies, from deception, from many different things. So, but as I look at this, I look at our forefather who gave, offered their life as a sacrifice in their stewardship. Yeah. What happened today, I live in the privilege that they offered. They yeah. offered their blood so I can be free today. And, and, and so many times when I go to speak, I'm always asking the Lord, will I be good enough to help future generations to change right. or to be able to stand. You know, and I take that measuring stick, you know, and, and it grieved me so much to cry because so many people are focused on things and not focusing on what God wants for such time as this. Hold that thought, folks. This is Truth and Liberty. We're going to go to Judy. Uh, Judy, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I was wondering if any of you have heard about the speech that John Maxwell gave um, regarding um, churches should stay out of politics because it's polarizing and that um, if you do um, get involved in politics, a pastor, that you're putting your trust more in the politician than you are in Jesus. Um and he just did this, I guess, a couple of days ago in Miami, Miami, and talked to a thousand different uh, Assembly of God pastors, telling them to stay out of politics. I wonder if yeah. you've heard about it and if you have what you think about it. 
Uh, yes, I have, Judy. Thanks for bringing this up. You know, I have appreciated John Maxwell uh, to a degree. He wrote a book called Developing the Leader Within You, and I've probably given away at least 50 or 75 copies of that. So on some levels, I can appreciate John Maxwell uh, in leadership and team building. But I want to say in the strongest possible terms, I categorically 1,000% disagree with what he just said. And I'll tell you why. For one thing, folks, and I'm going to get Alex's and Kamal's uh, opinion, but to say if you, as a Christian, speak about politics, you're putting your trust in government, that's a fallacy called a false dichotomy. Now, let me explain. A false dichotomy is to say, well, okay, either you trust God or you trust politics. Look, Augustine, who has more intellect than all the pastors in America combined, I would say. 354 to 430, Augustine lived, and he said in City of God that uh, every Christian, until we're in the City of God, we have an obligation to the City of Man. So to John Maxwell, I would say, please don't talk about politics unless you really can speak intelligently and consistently logical on the subject. Because, so John Maxwell, by your definition, William Bradford was wrong to help end slavery in Britain. John Maxwell, I guess Dr. King was wrong to use his pulpit to help end uh, uh, segregation and the civil rights movement. I guess Benjamin Rush and many of the founders that were clergy were wrong to help us uh, break from the King of England and start this nation. And so I, I categorically disagree. And I think every pastor, and I've pastored two churches, I've spoken in 2000, literally. You need to get in your pulpit, use your platform to educate people and help the parishioners know how to vote. So I am 180 degrees the opposite of what John Maxwell said, Judy. Uh, Alex Newman, what say you? I echo everything that you just said, brother. I could not agree with you more. And I think the Bible actually teaches clearly that pastors, for example, he was talking to pastors, ought to be preaching the whole counsel or the full counsel of God. A lot of people don't realize this because a lot of pastors don't talk about it. The Bible teaches more on government than it does about heaven, okay? Uh, so if we were to preach the whole counsel of God, are we just to delete all the portions that have to do with government? Uh, and and I, I'm so glad you brought up some of the great Christians uh, of the ages who have put so much into passing on this legacy, this heritage that they left for us. Uh, the pilgrims were a really, really good example. Even our founding fathers, you know, they appealed through every legitimate authority they could. They asked the king, yeah. they asked the parliament, they asked the judges. And when all those things failed, what did they do? They appealed to heaven for the rightness of their intentions. Amen. They actually flew flags that said appeal to heaven. They Amen. relied firmly, they said in the Declaration of Independence, on divine providence, on the supreme judge Amen. of the universe. So this is what has motivated Christians for hundreds of years to build the wonderful societies that 
to some extent still exist that allow people like Maxwell the freedom to say those kinds of things. Of course we don't put our trust in politicians. Of course we don't put our hope in the political process. That's absolute foolishness, and anybody who does that is making an idol out of politics or politicians, which is a, a, an incredibly serious matter. But true Christians don't make idols out of politicians, but they recognize that God has called, going back to the Great Commission, you know, and it actually goes back perfectly to this Jesus commercial. You know, in the Great Commission, the end of Matthew, Jesus tells us to make disciples of all nations. He tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then the last part gets cut off so frequently. He says to teach them to obey Obey. all the things that God has commanded us. And if God has taught us about government and the purpose of government and the attitude that Christians ought to have toward government, how could we not teach these things to fellow believers as part of the discipleship process? So for me, it's it's a no-brainer. I echo 100% what you said, brother. God bless yeah, you. Even Jesus Christ will be wrong, you know, if, if, we, if we take what, uh, Mr., you know, Pastor Maxwell or whatever his title is, because he said, occupy until I come back. Hmm. To, to occupy is to fill every mountain of, or every sphere of influence hmm. to really to be applicable. If our forefather it did not write the Constitution based on the Word of God, then our Constitution will be today, will be just another European Constitution or another flawed thing. If our pastor did not stand in a pulpit and dress like a black robe regiment and fought for this nation, this nation will be utterly destroyed. But when godly men stepped forward and filled in those places, the nation became sovereign. Amen. You know, folks, uh, there was a, uh, a Dutch pastor named Abraham Kuyper. He died in 1920. And he was a prime minister of the Netherlands, but he very famously said, there's no direction you can look where Jesus, the king, the sovereign of the universe, didn't say mine in every realm, not only theology and salvation, but morals and, of course, politics and government. Uh, So we must be involved and speak to that. Tyler in Ohio. Tyler, thanks for holding. Welcome to this edition of Truth and Liberty. Hi. Um, I have a simple question. Um, Anybody can respond that wants to. And my question is, does yoga and the Enneagram have a place in the church? Okay. Um, Are you thinking about in the context of like a, a program, like an exercise program or something like that? Um, it, yeah, or in any way. In any way. What, what yeah. is that supposed to, um, it, it, it just, the question is not clear. Can you clarify it a little bit more? Um, the yoga has to do with exercise and mm-hmm. the Enneagram um, is actually um, part of, um, it's a course Mm-hmm. That, um, I'll, I'll be happy to take a stab at this. Um, th- these are issues that I have spent some time thinking about. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of very well-meaning Christians have gotten involved in yoga without realizing that this is actually much more than just exercise. Uh, yes, there is yeah. the stretchy component to it, and you can do yeah. stretches without worrying about uh, you know uh, contradicting what God teaches. But yoga is associated with Hinduism, it's associated with paganism, uh, and it very much is a spiritual practice at its core. The exercise is actually tangential to the spiritual component where you're inviting in the the spirit, and you're you're getting in touch with your chakras and your inner uh, 
things like this. A lot of this is just plain demonic. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you know every Christian who inadvertently went to a yoga group not realizing the harm uh, is going to be damned to hell and, and fire and brimstone. But it does mean that as Christians, as part of the sanctification process, as God reveals these things to us, uh, you know, what, what fellowship does Christ have with Belial? What fellowship does light have with darkness? We can do exercise without borrowing things from a pagan religion, which you know the, the Apostle Paul taught us very clearly. These aren't just idols. There are demonic forces behind them. Why would we want to get involved with that? I don't see any good reason. And, and I think the same is true of the Enneagram. And I know brothers uh, and sisters who've gotten... Uh, down this rabbit trail with the Enneagrams, you know, they're going to discover things about their personality. And as far as I'm concerned, if there's a question about whether it is somehow tied into the occult, uh, why? why? Why do it? I mean, God doesn't instruct us in his word to go to an Enneagram to find out about our personalities. And so as far as I'm concerned, it's really not necessary. We ought not be doing it. And that is, of course, my personal opinion. Well, I, I, I totally agree. And Tyler, I thank you for the question because, you know, so many churches, uh, they, they start programs and what, whether it be uh, calisthenics or exercising, we don't need yoga. I mean, to believe that, and I, I'm not even going to get into yoga because it is very Eastern and it is the philosophy and really the theology behind yoga is incompatible with Christianity. You want to have a gym and a, uh, like you say, you know, a, a gymnastics or exercise program. You can do that without smuggling in paganism, mm -hmm. and and also like learning about your personality. My goodness, read First Thessalonians five twenty three <laughs> and twenty four. How Christ, you know, regenerates the spirit, renews the mind or the soul. And and one day you'll get a glorified body. Um, I got a quote, and, and we're almost out of time. What a great show. By the way, folks, you can watch again. I know we've covered a lot of ground, and you can go to truthandliberty.net. The shows are archived. You can share this with somebody, and uh, I would encourage you to spread the word about truth and liberty. But, folks, in 1908, one of my favorite Christians of times past, Thomas Aquinas, uh, there was a book written about him. Now, G.K. Chesterton, Gilbert Keith Chesterton, wrote a biography of Aquinas. And it's a great little biography. You can learn about Aquinas, a very important figure in Christian history. But here's what Chesterton said in the intro to his book on Aquinas. Now, Chesterton was very influential in the life of C.S. Lewis, a great person uh, with whom I would encourage you to be familiar. But Chesterton said, and this is 1908, so this is, you know, more than a century ago. He said, as much as we need to win the heathen to Christianity more and more, increasingly, we need to win the Christians to Christianity. Amen. Uh, Alex, uh, that's very true in the 21st century, isn't it? It, it really is, brother, and I, I'm just so alarmed, you know, to go back to the education thing again, I'm so alarmed by the number of young people that our churches are losing. Now, Christian education will not save your children. I want to say that clearly. It's We're not going to make an idol out of Christian education. Uh, Jesus Christ saves your children, and that, that's the end of the story. But 
God commanded us to make disciples of all nations. I keep mm -hmm. coming back to this Great Commission thing. How are we going to say we're making disciples faithfully of all nations because we're funding a missionary to go to Laos or Haiti or, or Brazil when we're losing 80% of our own children and we think the solution is hiring another youth ministry uh, leader? You know, I don't have anything against youth ministries, but we have to recognize discipleship is a comprehensive process. It's five days, six days, seven days a week. It is, if you go back to Deuteronomy, chapter 6, chapter 11, when you wake up in the morning, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down to eat, when you're going to bed at night, you should be teaching your children about God and His laws and His mm -hmm. will. And that is what true discipleship looks like. So yes, we are losing the Christian. We need to teach the Christians Christianity. You were talking about George Barna. His worldview surveys are mind-blowing. We have got to get a hold of this, folks. I think that's why the church is suffering so bad. Uh, Alex, your website, how may we find you, follow you, and avail ourselves to your great research and great work? Oh, well, thank you again, brother. It's libertysentinel.org. Sentinel, not like Colorado. It's S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L.org, like a watchman on the wall. People can get my newsletter there and uh, everything else I do. And thank you again, brother. Uh, do I recall you're on Lindell TV as well? Uh, yeah, they, they host the original broadcast, and then it gets picked up and rebroadcast on a bunch of networks. Wow. And uh, are you on the road speaking? Where can people find your tour schedule? Actually, tomorrow I will be in Colorado. We've got an event uh, from Winsome Ministries up in Fort Collins. If people want to come, uh, Jonathan Kahn will also be speaking. Uh, it'll yeah. be a fun event in uh, Fort Collins. Uh, and yes, I, I, I am on tour constantly. I don't put my schedule out there anymore, though, because Antifa keeps showing up. So. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, give our best to Jonathan Kahn. He's a popular guest on Truth and Liberty, and we appreciate him so much. How about you? You are online. You are on tour. Where can we find you? I don't put mine uh, on tour, uh, you know, on, online anymore because it's almost I lost my life several times, so we had to move 27 times just to hide from these people that they're waiting out there for me. Mm. So, but uh, you can find us at coomministries.com, and uh, that is K-O-O-M-E.com, Coom Ministries, uh, plural, K-O-O-M-E Ministries.com, uh, and then you can call us from there or get hold of us. And we would love to come and teach and preach and do whatever God leads you to, uh, to you know, you can talk to us uh, and we will converse with you. But back to the question that you were saying about, you know, when I came to Christianity, you know, the first thing I learned in order to find my way to Christ and to, to life, it's not through exercise, which is I love to exercise every day, but he said, I am crucified for Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I find my Amen. identity in Christ. Amen. 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 And you know what, folks, here's what we are encouraging you to do. Number one, make sure that you're a born-again Christian. And we always say this, but if, you, if you're not sure, of course, we want to pray with you. The number is 719-635-1111. Prayer ministers are there. You can call anytime. But I say this, and it's true. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. God loves you. Christ died for you. Whatever you have done, he can forgive. Whatever has been done to you, he can heal. God offers you a life that you cannot imagine. And so get saved, grow. 
believe and read and internalize the scripture. You will find that God will teach you truth if you ask him and then stay equipped. Truth and Liberty exists, we believe, to help equip people mm -hmm. and then live that wonderful adventure, a life of truth promotion. And remember how consequential, significant is this? First Corinthians 15, 58, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. So stay bold, stand strong, may God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.